Hey, you okay? Oh, damn enchiladas. Oh. You gonna be all right? to another episode of It's Them Dead by Michelangelo's The Podcast, where we delve into the world of horror movies, video games, television, comic books, and beer, or beer for the comfort. I am Carl Trevera, the Pumba to my Timon, the Beavis to my Butthead, the Chip to my Dale, A to the Grizzly, B to the Pizzy, Mr. Adam R. Griffin. As always, follow us on the Red Hot Twitter machine, handles in the show notes, and please the show at It's Them Dam, on our Instagram at It's Them Dam Enchiladas Podcast. We are treading into some deadly territory tonight. Um, something that might be mind blowing, uh, nerve shattering, uh, senses defining, all those feeling things. So, Adam, how are yes. you this fine evening? Man, let me tell you. My brain, uh, my brain did a thing where it said, wow, this is some rough stuff because uh, this, this, this run of films we have this week, you know, it's been a month, of, well, two months of horror movies and uh, we, we do the podcast as well. So it's, this week we got, we got uh, two franchises, six films and it's heavy stuff in store for this episode. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about Blair Witch, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and Blair Witch 2016. Not to mention House of Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. Uh, we are covering every damn facet of horror in this one. So you can start the official It's Them Damn It's a Lot of Podcast stopwatch, because we're in for a doozy. Yeah, I, I I don't even know where to start because I feel like this is gonna take a lot out of my soul. Um, I I think where 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 we should start is is actually with the Rob Zombie, seeing as we have just come off an anthology episode, and this I mean not an anthology but a trilogy. Because hmm. uh, I feel like we might have a lot more to say about these three. <laughs> I know I do. So, we're going to start with something near and dear to my heart. Rob Zombie. <laughs> um, listen now, I don't, I don't hate Rob Zombie. Um, if anyone's ever taken that from, that opinion from what I've said, just don't appreciate the, um, what was done for Halloween? That's it, you know. I can I can appreciate the rest of his movies, you know. 
the best way to explain that is sometimes you need a different view, a different aspect of a movie. It doesn't necessarily make it bad for everyone, but sometimes you need a new new a new view on things. So he's allowed to make Halloween and Halloween too. I'm allowed not to like him. There it is. It's out in the world. It's over. That being said, House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> Which pretty much got him the job to do Halloween. <sighs> Listen. From the get-go, our boy Sid Haig dominates the screen. He dominates from the beginning with his, uh, the commercial. Which actually, we aired a little bit of it on the end of our uh, Sid Haig tribute. The uh, Spalding's Museum of Monsters and Madness. And fried chicken. That spot, which is funny as hell. Um, but, uh, man, just right off the, like I said, right off the bat, when they uh, get held up. Yeah. <laughs> they say, put your hands up. <laughs> he does double butter fingers. <laughs> Sid Haig is the fucking legend. Yeah. <laughs> The lightest moment you're gonna have, <laughs> probably for the rest of this series. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that uh, I think I think that that gas station scene both sets the tone and it is a very high bar to clear because Sid Haig is that damn good as Captain Spaulding. Um, I don't think uh, with with all three of the the main uh, villain leads. They're so damn likable being unlikable that they overpower the the uh, the would-be protagonists in the film. They're more along the lines of just straight-up victims because there, there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about any of the other characters about this this group of kids doing their doing their you know road trip documentary what weird places shenanigans. Scooby-Doo bullshit. Um, there's, there's absolutely, you know, he got nothing to root for, and yeah, you know, the, the poor girl goes missing, and her father's looking for her, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tragic situation, of course, but there's just nothing. There's no other hook besides how fucking awful. Otis and Baby and Spalding are well, not you know Spalding's uh, connection to them is is your big twist at the end, but damn, you know it's 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 a case of of the style of the movie outweighing the substance of it, you know. Like I mean, and if you're gonna, I mean it's Rob Zombie's first film. This thing got held up due to you know. Put on, yeah, put on the shelf by Universal, I think, you know, for a couple of years. So this, sh- is, this one is the one that uh, <laughs> didn't Bloomhouse just give him money? It was uh, it was Lionsgate at the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they were just like <laughs> because of Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Paranormal like, Activity took off, so they're like, oh, we gotta start doing all kinds of horror. So he just signed the check. Like they they uh, they shot it in, they finished it in like 2001. It finally came out like 2003. So you know, it was it was floating around for a while. You know, we'll we'll never see the actual original cut because the footage is lost. 
And I mean, that, that's happening. That's, I mean, that, that'll come up again for Book of Shadows later. But it's amazing uh, to me how much Rob Zombie swung for the fences in this one. Because, it, like, if you got one shot to make a film, this was his film. And it, I mean, it, there are parts of it just completely overpower the rest of it. Right. Uh, what? Well, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little much. Yeah. Um, in some aspects. But like you said, the characters, the, the, the problem with the movie, it's a great movie, <laughs> is that the antagonists are way too likable. <laughs> and, you know, they figured that out. That's when they when they did Devil's Rejects. It was like, well, you know, we already have them as the anti-heroes. Might as well, might as well go with it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there's just there's just moments in the movie when uh, Otis comes down with the freaking uh, baby. Yeah, yeah, he comes down <laughs> in the freaking jar. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Just like that's that's messed up. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hardwick's annoying, but it's not him; it's his character. Yeah. Him, personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, good old Dwight Schrute, Rain Wilson. That's right. Pre-office. This is pre-office, yeah. This is... This is Rain before he was popular. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... We got Bill Mosley, who we know from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. Yep. Good old Chop Top. Yeah, and I mean, I remember there was a, there was a period of time for this movie where, uh... Everybody goes, oh, you know, him as Otis is just shot topping it. No, no that's bullshit. Uh, Bill Mosley as Otis throughout this sequence of films is just a complete force. Like a, this complete manic force, which is the purpose of Otis. You know, that, that's the character that, that, that it's supposed to be. But uh, just a complete complete range of craft exhibited there I guess just cause there there's it's rare that you get a, a series of films that has three defining performances for all three leads pretty much and it's consistent and and that's what I think that's what uh what this all is what what all three films are but we, we'll get into that you know as we Move on through Devil's Rejects and the History from Hell. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's just it's, it's it's out there. Like you said, he he swung for he uh, swung for the fences. Indeed, there's some just. just <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it sometimes when I, how it's just filling my head right now with having rewatched it uh, again. Um, tiny. Yep. Yeah. Another good character. Mm -hmm. Um, Rufus Jr. Which still blow, blows my mind out that you know, there's another, another dad. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. It's so confusing. Well, um, yeah, they're just they're just this clan of murderous, <laughs> murderous people all taking. Names from the Marx Brothers movies. Groucho Marx characters. Yeah. Just, just awesome. He had Walton Goggins in this movie. Goggins. Sure. 
Okay, here's here's still the mind blowing fact about House of a Thousand Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses. How first film, right? And you say you're Rob Zombie. You say, okay, fuck it. I'm gonna hold on this shot of Walter Goggins about to get his get a bullet in his brain for half a minute, and I'm just gonna use this crane and pan up and out, and I'm gonna make the viewer suffer. Just yeah. agonizing. Uh huh. That's it's actually one of the better uh, shot scenes. Yeah. So just sit there, you're like, you know, when you first watch it, you're like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And it just drags on, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> this is getting tense. <laughs> and then, boom. spoiler, boom. yeah, get shot in the yep. head. Yep. Which leads yep. nicely into uh, then uh, Doctor Satan making an appearance. Yeah, Doctor Satan uh, is when it really where there's that moment where you get down in, into this subterranean layer of uh, just just creepy ass shit. Is no other way to put it. <laughs> this layer of you know experiments and all this craziness. And uh, you find out that Dr. Satan is real and is actually doing some some messed up stuff. With, you know, all the experiments, you got Hardwick strapped to the table, getting drilled in the exposed brain. Just. <laughs> and then, and then a Spalding reveal. Yeah. Spalding reveal into the 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 cut to uh, the end question mark, and at that point you kind of don't know if you're going to get a sequel, and the sequel turned out to be something that nobody was going to expect. Well, Double Rejects was crowdfunded. Yeah. So I don't think <laughs> Rob Zombie even thought this movie was going to get made. Um. Now the, I love Devil's Rejects. Um, like I said, once they took it upon themselves to realize that they had that Rob had created three anti-heroes, they they didn't try to push it back into the other way. They didn't try to make them, you know, the, the evil monsters again. They're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna make them outlaws, um, and we're gonna make it in such a way that you're you're still gonna like them. But they're still gonna do some crazy ass shit. Everyone's yeah. gonna question you cheering them on. Um, and and it, and it works. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Horror movies. Uh, characterization horror movies is especially important because they rarely get such big budgets as you can kind of cover things up with effects and everything so you have to double down on your characters and Devil's Rejects just completely just the amount of world building that they do you know within the Firefly clan and what all the stuff that's, that's stole out and everything and uh, like Rob Zombie has a knack for pulling in uh, character actors you wouldn't expect as well as familiar faces Oh yes. So like in, in, in Devil's Rejects, you got you got 
Ken Foray running uh running the, the uh the the place of ill repute, we shall say. Uh that sounds like a yeah, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> uh Daddy Trejo. Daddy and, uh, fucking Trejo. <laughs> and my man, self high five. Five. Fucking Diamond Dallas Page as the Unholy Two. That's right. The Unholy Duo. What's his name? Unholy Duo. Unholy Two. Oh, whatever. Unholy, Unholy Two. Yeah. Unholy Two. Yeah. Fucking Diamond Dallas Page. You can't tell me nothing about Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> Adam yeah. knows my my love for Diamond Dallas Page, the wrestler. Yes. Yes, and he's my he's man. he's great. He's so good. I didn't expect it to be honest with you, because you know how some some wrestlers are, you know. Yeah, you, you he can... wasn't, I mean, he was good. I'll, I'll be honest, he wasn't great on the mic. You know, DDP was decent on the mic. You know, that wasn't his thing. He just he was a well-rounded wrestler. He was alright. You know, he wasn't great. Well, uh, well, not, well, DDP was great because he had a connection with the fans, and that'll yeah, that'll outshine. Uh, that'll that'll outshine anything any any like supposed deficiencies or whatever i don't want you to say (laughs) oh no no i uh no here's here's my ddp connection i'm visible in a crowd shot stark 897 when he runs up into the (laughs) crowd so so trust me i know and then danny trejo who in his own right is a badass uh, going back is, uh, I mean, not that old. So I can remember the first time I saw him in a movie was Heat. Yeah, you know, this is back in '97. I'm sure, he was in other stuff, but um, William Forsythe is in this. He plays a uh, the sheriff's this is his <laughs> this is his brother. This, you know what? When he's in there, I was like, oh, they look so fucking familiar. <laughs> they look, they actually look identical twins. <laughs> I was like, that's actually really good uh, casting there. Yeah, uh, Tom Tiles, uh, who played the sheriff in House of Thousand Corpses, has a cameo in Devil's Rejects. And uh, But yeah, the unraveling of Sheriff Waddell in Devil's Rejects is phenomenal. Like that slow descent into madness that just about overtakes the Firefly Clan. Uh, yeah. Spoiler. Um. <laughs> yeah, once he kills the mom, <laughs> it's that's it. It's it's, yep. it's it's on. Yeah. I mean, he once he hired the unholy two, like that's when things are starting to go bad because it's like okay. Yeah. Once uh, the unholy two gets in, because he's, he's you, you know you're outside the law at that point. It, yeah. That's yeah, it. Got the bounty hunters, so you know that's not good. But then you kill the mom. Then that's it. That's yeah. it's a wrap. And then you tell them that you did it. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh no! Almost had him. Almost <laughs> had him. Then he got cocky because he let baby go so he can chase her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that was it. You don't chase. You no. don't. Ch- you don't chase folks, especially you know serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, we gotta talk about the ending. Well, do we? Well, I I, I want to. free as a bird now. Free bird. 
<laughs> let me uh, let me look back. I want to I want to bring up Kim uh, for real quick before we talk about Freebird because I, I just I just thought about it. You know, as as much as as great as it was seeing Ken Foray in 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 the movie, um, the fact that he gets he gets the Scatman Crothers shining treatment. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just uh, just a little. Little, little, uh, little too much. <laughs> in, a, in a movie full of whole bunch of stuff, it's like, oh, come on! Did you, did you have to really well, do, he had a, to, do know, a man like that? Uh, Rob Zombie and you know things he t- t- takes from other people, but um, oh, 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 <laughs> but yeah, Freebird. That's actually a really good scene. <laughs> Just driving with the guns blazing. Well, yeah, all the music choices in this. Were great um got fooled around and fell in love when when during the when the, after the uh the hotel terror that happens uh the banjo and sullivan songs on the soundtrack midnight rider at the beginning uh-huh. uh but the usage of freebird now um especially in these films there's always one song of the times that he uses that completely gets flipped and you can't really listen to it the same way again. So like in House of a Thousand Courses, it's Brick House. Um, in this, it is Freebird. Because he's like, okay, is he really about to let this rock for seven minutes? <laughs> oh, I fully, I fully expected it. <laughs> I fully expected it the first time I saw it. Right, it was just going to be a shootout for the entire length of the song. Yeah. Which actually would have worked as well. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, and, you know, you think that's it. But, uh... The, he always had the title Three From Hell lurking. But you didn't really know if it was going to be... A, uh... A supernatural take? Was he finally going to go there? Were we going to get his... His uh, his '80s supernatural serial killer movie, because we already had his his possession movie with uh, Lords of Salem. Uh-huh. You know, he went back to Dirty Groundhouse with uh, Thirty One. You know, so and and as far as you know, horror subgenres go, there is no clue as though you know what what uh, Three from Hell is going to be, and I even saw some. Some some takes, I guess you can call them some takes, some hot takes, some reviews or something, whatever. Hot takes. Uh, lamenting the fact that they weren't resurrected from hell. It's like it was never those kind of movies, you know? They were always kind of sitting at the edge of, you know, what happens with uh, the fascination of serial killers, and, you know, their, and their deification by the media, if you will. And uh, I think Three from Hell really, really sets in, and and, and takes that to its natural conclusion for the storyline. Well, the first thing about uh, Three from Hell is that as soon as it starts, you know, you're getting to see Sid Haig's final time on screen. Yeah. So for me, I got a little, little choked up. I'm like, I was like, oh shit, you know, like, because you know that's. This was it. He was only in the movie for ten minutes. Yeah. Um. Th- this was his last. He was. He was actually really, really sick already when he uh they started filming this. 
Right. Um, but like a true legend, man. True legend. He's still every time, like you said before, whenever he's on the screen, he fucking owns it. Right. Um, and it's it's this movie was a little bit more um, a little bit more direct um, in having a storyline <laughs> or a plot <laughs> than the I guess the other two. Like the, this one actually was a, a fleshed out. I actually saw he fleshed out a progression. There was a plan. I was like, shit, Rob Zombie's learned in the last, what was it, uh, t- 14 years? Because <laughs> Devil's Rejects came out? Yeah. Because he didn't learn it in Halloween, I'm just saying. He learned it <laughs> along the way. Um, no, 31 was actually really good. Um, and Lord of Salem was not bad. So let me, I, I take it back. But uh, Richard Brake... Listen, after being amazing in 31 as Doomhead, yeah. Um, if no one's seen 31, you definitely need to watch it. His performance as Doomhead is phenomenal. Smoking times abreast is a great companion to the solitary soldier. You know who said that? Huh? Do you know who said that? everyone's favorite revolutionary Marxist, Che Guevara. Except, I think he smoked a pipe. I always thought I'd appear rather pretentious with a pipe. Look into the eyes of a true champion. He was the perfect person to put as the third person in this movie. Yeah. Um, once they, you know, once they figured it, um, I don't know how long they knew that Sid was not in good health. If he wasn't going to be able to play this part, um, I'm not. You know, I'm not sure if they already knew they were going to have a third person come in. Um, but Richard Briggs is amazing, and he's like Welsh. Yeah. Which, which is those Welsh actors, man. <laughs> they be confusing me because they 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 have those they act their accents are better than some people from those. Uh, those nationalities or uh, or ethnicities or whatever accents like his southern accents so good oh. Oh. But it's I just saw it today you know so I wanted to freshen my head right and um, the whole like I said the plot's great from beginning to end it's a natural progression of the characters and um, <laughs> we're talking about music choices. I can't think about uh, play that funky music, white boy, the same <laughs> anymore. Yep. Um, and well, we'll wait for the song for the final scene because I want I want to go into depth about that. But what, what, what are your thoughts on Thirty One? Because you just saw it too. Uh, Thirty One or uh, I mean, uh, thir- Thirty One. Different. Yeah, we'll save that for another time. Not Thirty One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Stopwatch going. Uh, three from hell. I did not know what to expect, and to be quite honest, I thought, I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna hate the movie. Um, just starting it up. But once, once they like showed the car, I was like, okay, are we gonna see the shootout again? Or are they gonna like you know, are we gonna have the shootout and they just smash through the barricade and then we're gonna get the titles to hit the screen? Um, once they just showed the car and then right to the titles and they explained, okay, you know they took you know twenty shots each. Then they you know they had the diagram where the bullets went and everything. So in universe, it makes sense that these characters survived and that's fine with me as long as it sticks to you know as long as it sticks to the movie's logic, because it's fiction, shit ain't really happening. It's fine. Um, so yeah, so you know, I wanted to see the setup. <laughs> I wanted to see the setup, and uh, I, I I liked seeing the the pseudo documentary news footage of you know the lead up to Otis's escape and and uh, Foxy coming on and Richard Brake's character. And I liked, you know, the prison stuff with Baby. And uh, I thought that this was the 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 existential epilogue to to the movies, because like, I mean, nothing nothing sums it up more when they're in the hotel room, and uh, and, and Baby's like, she's talking to Otis, and she's like, you know, you think it's worth it. You know, do you think doing this is worth it? You know, what are we going to do next? And they have an actual discussion. These fucking crazy ass serial killers are having an actual discussion about what to do with their lives next. You know, in the, in the universe, it's 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 the late 80s. It's 88. <laughs> you know, they're about to come into the 90s. What do you do next? When you are public enemy number one, and <laughs> you're famous for all the wrong reasons, so I, I thought uh, I thought it was a damn good movie. To be honest, you know, it's tough shit to watch. When you say like an epilogue, it reminds me when once you beat like a uh, Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> and then there's just like. Oh my god, there's a whole nother game after this. Like, yeah. That's what this felt like. Like, like. like Devil's Rejects, and then the breakout of prison, that was the end of the game. Right. Trip to Mexico was like the extra extra DLC. Right. Uh, but it worked, which is great. You go to Mexico, you bring up Emilio Rivera, who's <laughs> awesome. Um, and what's... <laughs> The luchador assassins. How can you not be amazed by the fucking fantastic luchador assassins? That was such a great addition. Like just, jeez, just. And then when we talk about song choices, Ana Gata the Vida starts playing. All right. Do you know the history of this song, Adam? 
I do, but I would like to hear you explain it. Just, just as, as, as briefly so, as you can, because, you know, we're, we got the yeah, time. Iron Butterfly. Yeah. All right. So, the vocalist, Doug Engel, Engel, he starts writing a song, and he's drinking Red Mountain wine. He proceeds to drink a gallon of Red Mountain wine. So, when he starts playing the song for um, Ron Bushy, who's a drummer, and Ron Bushy's trying to write down the lyrics. The song was supposed to be called In the Garden of Eden. But he was so drunk that he was saying Anagata Davida. That's the first amazing fact about that song. Do you know what other psychological horror movie played that song? Um, I know uh, what other horror movie psychological? Meh, I don't know. But I know what other horror movie did it. You can say yours, I'll say mine. Oh, I asked you first. Phrase dead to Final Nightmare. Huh. Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Manhunter. Here's the first. Because <laughs> this is an older movie. Yes. No, okay. <laughs> you take that. Yeah. Had to get my Freddy reference and I get one I of I was hoping you weren't going to say Freddy. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh yeah, that was it was that was actually and that even even the ending felt like a video game ending. Like, <laughs> here's the are you gonna beat the battle? You know, the final boss. <laughs> this is gonna happen. And it's actually uh, it, it was actually better than I like you said. It was better than I had that expected. Yeah, and it was a good end. And that, well, that, we don't even know. I, I think this is the end of the the story, but I don't know. Shop's obviously crazy. Uh, yeah, I think if they. If they do end up doing another one, um, I hope that they kind of push it to like 1999. 1999, uh, their universe, they're coming up on Y2K and all that bullshit. I would like to see those characters kind of come up against their legacy at the turn of the millennium. And, um, you know, they, they kind of come up against all they have wrought as, as time moves over to a new century. You know what else came out around the turn of the century? Yes. Blair Witch. This is true. Ah, look at that segue. Yeah. See that? We're, we're, we're a professional podcast here. That's right. Uh, 19, uh, 1999. Yes. Blair Witch. The first f- found footage. Yep. First exclusively found footage horror film. Um, and, uh, it, it got it right, and there have been a scant few that have been able to do it since. Uh, uh, paranormal Activity, uh, Found Footage 3D, uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon has some great Found Footage stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Legend of Hell House, th- that trilogy. Yep. But other than that... VHS. Uh, VHS, yeah, VHS definitely. Uh, but you're going to be hard-pressed to find any that can do it as well as Blair Witch so the, the, the whole thing with Blair Witch besides there was so much hype around the movie it being a documentary and the way they they marketed it before the movie even came out which yep. was brilliant um they this was picked up uh, in one of the, the French film festivals uh, originally and um, they were so intrigued by it that the the producers gave them money to market the movie and yeah. once they marketed it I remember the day it came out 
I was this 1920. Yeah, I was 19, 20 years old when this movie came out. I didn't always go day of to go watch a movie. You know, I had to really. I went day of to go see Blair Wish. And I will not be afraid to admit that I got creeped out at the end of Blair Witch. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember. I remember exactly what happened that day. Um, I, I, I decided. I decided to go. It was opening weekend. It was a Saturday. I said it was late, and I was like, you know what? It was like early afternoon. I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to the movie. So I'm gonna see this damn movie because uh, internet had been up and going in the house for about five years. So we were right at the at the cusp of the internet boom. Marketing was big there. All the all the big movie sites at the time were pushing it. Ain't cool news, Dark Horizons, all that stuff. Um, so we go in. Uh, well, I go in because I'm 18. I can get in by myself now. So, so I go in. Yeah. Sit down. Uh, about six rows from the back because it, it was the only seat I can get because it's packed. Movie scared the shit out of the entire theater. <laughs> And uh, yeah, from then on in, that was it. Cause like, um, I went up to college that fall, and uh, went to school in Pittsburgh, zombie country, and uh, <laughs> official, <laughs> official zombie country, and uh, everybody thought it, it was real. Everybody thought that that shit happened. It's like no, no, but they really, they really, they really based it off of. No, dude, I'm from Maryland. It's, it's no. There, you know, there, there is, there is no Blair Witch. There's no Blair Witch. Um, Copper Rock there, exists, but not in Burkittsville. It's in Germantown. There's no, there's no Blair, right? There's right. no, no Blair. No. No, it's all. It's all. It's all. It's but all fake. It's fiction. The marketing was so well done. Yeah. Besides, let's talk, let's talk about the movie. The tension between the three is really what drives the movie. Um, yeah. You know, Heather's insane. Um, well, that's because she's, you know, she's a little, she's the, she's the director of the, the whole well, thing. Yeah, she, she's a student, and she thinks her knowledge will save her. Correct. That ain't the case in a horror movie. No. Nope. But they don't even know they're in a horror movie, so. Um, <laughs> when <laughs> I'm cracking up when Mike admits to kicking the map down the river <laughs> I, I laugh now hysterically back then I was like oh shit <laughs> yeah. like cause like you said we still had a feeling that this movie might be real or might be based on a true story <laughs> I was like oh man this guy's cracking yep when that tent gets attacked and they just haul ass. Yep. And then Josh is gone. Hey, find his fucking tongue and teeth. Yeah, that's not cool. Uh. But then, right? They do all that. But then they get to the house, and he's calling them. He has no tongue or teeth. Yep. Who the hell's calling them? Adam? Who? Well, for that, you need to go into the sequels. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's um it's it is a it is a movie that is both um uh it's of such a high caliber do as hype 
and also its hype is so legendary that it it as a whole could never get back to those heights you know which is unfortunate because I am probably one of the few people that thinks that there is a decent movie somewhere within Book of Shadows especially for what it was trying to do now think about it because Book of Shadows is a movie it is explicitly stated that it is a movie based on true events spinning out of the first film which of course is also fake so you have a movie within a movie and somewhere there was a good movie in there but I think the one thing that messed them up was the fact that about 10 months earlier this film came out you might have heard of it called The Sixth Sense and they said holy shit that made a lot of money and it had a twist at the end and they looked at what they had for Book of Shadows and they said this needs twists and what did you get at the end of that movie a shit ton of twists a little twisty twisty and a little twisty twist what a twist I make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist it's good try it no I'm, I'm fine lots of twists but I didn't mind the twist no <laughs> I thought I was gonna hate Book of Shadows I stayed away from that movie for years cause I wasn't intrigued <laughs> after I found out Blair which is fake <laughs> I was like fuck this movie Fuck Blair Witch. But Book of Shadows, the, the the premise, like you said, you know, it a movie based off of events that happened from the first movie, which is a movie. And, but he's capitalizing on it. He's he's got merchandise. He's got a website. That, that's what people did, especially in that era. Like that is, and even more so now. So it's proficient in a way. You know, it's just. It's amazing how much such a, you know, malign film got right in a sense, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a decent horror movie. It just got trapped in, in this, this cycle of being a sequel. I think, um, maybe if the editing would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a better uh, horror movie. Yeah, it doubles it was, back. Sorry, it was, it was good. <laughs> like it had a good storyline. Yeah. Had my motherfucking Jeffrey Donovan. That's right, you know, Mr. Mike Weston himself. Yep, practicing, uh, practicing his accents. <laughs> yes, he was <laughs> such a townie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then you get the remake. Or a reboot. What, or a reimagining. Which one is it? It's a sequel. It's a, it's a sequel. Because, well, I mean, the premise is he's going to look for Heather. So that's that's a, that's a sequel through and through. Oh, that's a sequel, yeah. So they just called, I don't know why they didn't call it part two. Whatever. Or because well, Book of Shadows technically was part two. Whatever, fuck it. Um, the main thing about this is the witch. Yeah. Another spoiler alert. There's a Blair's Witch in the 2016 movie. Which, when I, f- I played through the game, like we have said before, when I find towards the end that this is more based off of the 2016 movie, I didn't want to keep playing anymore. <laughs> I was like, I know how this is going to end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie had its moments, again, 
Um, there was the uh, what can I think of? What she had a little parasite in her. Parasite, yeah. Uh, parasite was great. The the effect with the body snapping was great. That whole sequence, you know, the body snaps, t- tents go flying. That's phenomenal. The oh, stu- uh, The stuff in the house is fucking fantastic. That is the mo- that is how the movie got sold, pretty much. The thing that got me is when she comes out and she's like, "Have you noticed the sun hasn't come out in five days?" Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I haven't noticed it." <laughs> <laughs> that they've been talking about the being days no sun. That whole time thing is trippy. Yeah. That was a good aspect of the movie. Yeah. The witch. I didn't want to know there was a witch. I didn't yeah. want to know there was a witch. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I mean, you 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 see just enough to get your mind going, which is you know, that's that's fine. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't know. The only the only thing you can kind of do there with with the franchise moving forward is you do like some weird full blown investigation, but even then all your mystique is gone and there's pretty much nothing left. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's there's room for for another one there. I mean there's there's I mean of course there's space for experiences based on on the franchise because you got the video game and everything, but um, with the way the way the internet destroys everything it's it's hard to say or fandoms in general or just this this weird conglomerate of of of, of people who have opinions um, it's 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 rough to say what else you can get out of that that franchise i don't i don't think i don't think the 2016 movie was bad but you know it's hard to say where it can go after that well it could have been better <laughs> i got yeah. ideas yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always ideas. Email us at itsdemdemenchiladas <laughs> at gmail.com if you want our ideas. Oh, yeah. Pay for play, though. Pay for play. Pay we're, for play. We're for hire. Not for free. That's right. And uh, with that said, you know what time it is. It's been another episode of It's Them Damn Enchiladas, the podcast. You can check the show notes for all of our social media info. We got Twitter. We got iTunes. We got Spotify. We got a Discord. We got a Tumblr. We got the works. As always, podcast producer for the stars, Mark Warren, has been responsible for making us sound oh so spectacular. Thank you for all that you do, Mark. You got it! Until next time, have fun, watch horror movies, and remember to always drink responsibly. And what are those five words? That's right, you say it with your chest. Hydrate, 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 hydrate. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye. And tune in next week for our special Halloween Michael Myers episode coming out on Halloween, October 31st. <laughs>